Welcome to a very special episode of the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, May 16th. This is episode 141, and it's raining like a mother outside. <gasps> I didn't say anything more. It's raining. And mothers. Oh, wait. No, that's not how it goes. It could. It could be. My, my, my daughter this morning came in and knocked on the door, and she's like, it's raining cats and dogs outside. Why is it raining cats and dogs? I want to go to sleep, but it's raining cats and dogs. And I just have this mental image of just, woof, woof, meow, meow, as everything's bouncing yeah. off. It, yeah. You thought the stray problem was bad before. It's <laughs> <laughs> like raining cats and dogs. This madness. <laughs> so I'm Dennis, and we're in person. We are. It, it, for the first time in well over a year, uh, let, let, this is the first time I've seen you in person since a tournament, the first Saturday tournament of March last year. Maybe. I think you stopped by to pick up something. I might. Yeah. Uh, I might have stopped and dropped something sometime off. Sometime in the fall. Yeah. Where where we were like. Which reminds me, I do have some Christmas presents for your family <laughs> that I didn't have shipped Shift. to your address. And I'll just give them to you now. Okay. Well, now as in afterward. Afterward. Right now. We're going to open so, it up live uh, on recording. According to my yeah. records, our last in-person record was back on episode 110. That is a long time ago. And your records indicate you last even used your computer for this on one hundred and fifteenth when the a Pinberg was yes, canceled. When Pinberg was canceled. So let's see, episode one hundred and ten was the episode where we talked about JJP moving to Chicago. Mm. And the twenty nineteen twenty twenty IFPA tournament. And our and that's when we had one of our really big coronavirus updates talking about, you know, all the stuff that had been canceled <laughs> just before we were canceled. Yep. Oh, it got us. We were canceled. It was inevitable. It's pinball's way. It, it, it is the way. Everything is canceled. So, well, almost everything. Your last two weeks weren't canceled. No. You've I mean, been busy. I've been very busy. You've been a busy little bee. I, I have been. I, I know I mentioned in the previously that I watched season one of Invincible. Mm-hmm. I purchased the entire series run of the comic, and I read it all in the last two weeks. That's a lot. Isn't that like 100 plus? Yeah, it's like 140 some odd or 150 plus volumes. It's basically three giant graphic novels okay. at about a thousand pages apiece. So uh, I burned through all of that. Oh, uh, I finished Andy Weir's new novel. Oh, author of, uh, of the very excellent, you loaned it to me, book, The Martian, correct. which is also a very excellent, far better than Interstellar movie. Very much better than Interstellar movie. Uh, yeah, it, it it it's not his newest book since The Martian. He had a right. book called Artemis that came Which out you did read as well. Which I read as well. It was very good. Uh, the new one is Project Hail Mary and... I'm I'm having an internal debate about myself if it's better than the Martian. Because I know you said Artemis was not. Artemis was not. Artemis was good, but it wasn't better than the Martian. And Project Hail Mary might be. Mm. It's hard for me to decide because I have physically read the Martian four or five times. I've listened to the audiobook three times. 
And so far, all I've done with Project Hail Mary is go through the is listen to the audiobook. Mm. Yeah, you really need to I, see I, it in the print. I'm going to need, truly right, judge it right, and I've got it on the way. But it's one of those things that I just I'll, I'll decide. But I, I'm very happy with it. Um, it had a lot of unexpected things. Hmm. Uh, I worried when it first started because the whole thing, like when you read the synopsis on the back, it kind of feels like, it feels like he's reaching back to the Martian type thing, guy by himself, yada, yada, which is true, but it worked. It worked really well. Uh, And it's still better than the follow-up novels. I mean, they're definitely better than like the follow-up issues we had with uh, uh, Ernest Cline trying to follow up Ready Player One. Because none of the follow-ups to Ready Player One were anywhere near as good as Ready Player One. Uh, not even close. So, it, I was pretty happy with that. Um, trying to think what else I've been doing th- this time. Uh, I'm in some physical therapy because I'd injured, I, I, I hurt my Achilles tendon. And um, I did the stubborn guy thing where I hurt it and I just went, oh, okay. I'll take some Advil and I'll ignore it. And it healed. Unfortunately, when it healed, it stiffened up. So I was, I, I've been dealing with a lot of pain for the last several months and it was bad enough. I finally had to be sent to physical therapy to work on getting, uh, the range of motion back in my, my, my foot that I'm supposed to have. Uh, uh, when I first went in and checked it, the range of motion in my, 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 my left, my left ankle uh, was less than half of the range of motion in my right ankle. Mm. So much less than what I needs to be. So uh, yay for physical therapy, which makes me both hate people and thank them at the same time. Um, and then other than that, the only big thing I've done is uh, I shifted from playing Wasteland uh, because a new update came out for Hard Space Shipbreaker. Uh, which I've talked about before. That's the game where you basically uh, play as a guy who cuts up spaceships for money. And it's just kind of a nice little mindless game. I like to do it while I'm watching shows or doing other stuff because it doesn't uh, uh, require a lot of in-depth uh, over-analyzing thinking. So it's something you can do while watching a show and not miss out on stuff. Um, they've added a storyline because the game's in early access and it's one of those early access games I actually bought uh, that has included a storyline, the voiced storyline and they added, they included the act one of it and made a bunch of other changes and revamps that make the game much more enjoyable, which considering how enjoyable the game it was anyway, pretty happy with it. So there's an actual story in more than just, Hey, you're 1.5 billion in debt. Get out. So, that's about all I've been up to the last couple of weeks. That's a lot for me. It seems like a lot. It doesn't even, I mean, that's not even touching on work. And I've been averaging 10 plus hour days, but mm. I'm a workaholic. So, yeah, you do love your works. <laughs> I've definitely not been sitting here while we've been talking before we record, continuously talking to people at work because of work issues all, all morning. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I only did I I did check my work emails this morning, but thankfully I didn't have anything pending, so <laughs> so it's been a fun time with that. But I'm not going to cover that in my last two weeks. Uh, I will just focus on gaming related stuff. So I did finish Telltale's Batman season two. Uh, you are Batman. I 
I was. I was Batman. I then decided to start Telltale's Back to the Future game, which I also have as a game with gold from some point. So you're Marty McFly. Uh, well, I was. And then- Now you're Biff. No. Now I'm uninstalled. Oh. I started it. I was going along. And then I realized I absolutely do not care about Back to the Future, its story, its characters, or anything about it. And I quit it and uninstalled it. Wow. You don't like Back to the Future? Or you just didn't like the game? Uh, well, the, has it been too long since you watched Back to the Future? No, I, no, it's just, it's like, uh, I mean, you know, there's only one good one anyway. Three, obviously. <laughs> and I don't know what all was incorporated. Part of it was, yes, that the um, going and playing such a modern Telltale game like Batman Season 2 and then going back to one of their much older games was a bit jarring. Uh, Telltale's dr- engine has been terrible forever. Yeah. Even the new it, version. And I was just, it was, I think this might have been a little bit different than their more visual novel style. Like it was a little more interactive. I don't, it just, and it was just going, I don't know. It just, it wasn't clicking. And I realized it really quick. And I'm like, I don't care about Marty. I don't care about Doc. I only care about Einstein. Uh, and I just, it was just like, okay, whatever. I just couldn't get into it. Um, I, di- I also, I went, I was brainstorming and I thought, oh, because I mentioned on the last episode that I went to play Gears 5 mm-hmm. because I never finished it and, but I didn't find my save. And then I thought, oh, wait, I still have, maybe I need to move the save over. I thought it was in the cloud, but I thought it should be somewhere. I know it's saved. So right. maybe it's on my hard drive. And I have Gears 5 on the solid state drive, and I just need to move it over so they're all in the same area. So I went to do that, and there was no save on the external drive for Gears 5. There were no Gears 5 files on the external drive. And then I realized I was playing Gears 4. That I could be the problem. So that, so that was the issue, is I never had played Gears 5. That's why I didn't find any saves that was totally new uh so i went back and i finished gears four and now i'm ready for now you're ready for five i am but instead of starting gears five instead yesterday i started a game i have called call of cthulhu the uh card game no this is actually done as a i'm batman style i'm investigating post-world war one lovecraftian horrors all coming up and the card game it's no it's a first person oh I think that's basically what the, yeah. the card game no, and the board I'm sure, game. Everything is called Call of Cthulhu. I'm sure it's, it's derived same. from it. And yeah. it's, it's probably basically a campaign concept that's right. being done in a first-person engine. So you're going around. You're mostly solving for stuff. It's keeping track of my sanity. Uh, it does checks uh, for like occult knowledge, medicine, things like that. So anyway, I've, I only started it later in the afternoon yesterday. I played it a little bit this morning. I've gotten to the parts now where I'm six chapters in or so, six or seven, and I'm starting to experience some of the cosmic horror stuff. My sanity's starting to break. So we'll see how that goes. But that's it for me for updates. Now we will go ahead and move into pinball and last episode. We finally saw an end to the drought. Our thirst was satiated with the waters of Fathom revisited. Yes. But now they're additionally satiated because Stern Pinball. Oh, you mean it's it's not because JJP dropped code on The Hobbit? No, but maybe they did. Oh, 
I thought that was the big news. I, you know, I never know. <laughs> I never know. You know, I often like to talk about Hobbit, but today I'll resist the urge. <laughs> Instead, the big news has been the reveal by Stern Pinball of the Mandalorian Pinball, which, as licenses go, is, I think, both expected and huge. I think it's definitely uh, a very smart choice. And I'm going to try and not go under a rant here right quick, but I do want to open with something uh, because I've heard it come up elsewhere and I'm not, I'm not going to call anyone out. Everyone has their own way. But uh, so the Ma- Mandalorian commonly referred to as Mando. For those that aren't familiar with it, as of the pilot episode, you find out that he's got a little green companion. This. Hmm. It's a goblin. Yes, it's a goblin. It's a goblin. It's a little D&D throwback. It's great. <laughs> I always wanted Star Wars to go. I mean, it's it's a long time ago, so there should be like fantasy stuff. You would think. You, I do think, but it doesn't always happen. So, okay. So initially, the show would reference this in materials as the child. So some people call it the child. It was given the name Grogu in season two, and it's commonly and affectionately known as Baby Yoda. Right. Now, I'm pointing this out because... All three of these are acceptable things to call Grogu. Right. And I've heard some people, I'm sure this is probably pretty common in, in Star Wars communities, who get upset at the use of Baby Yoda as a descriptor. I'm tired of people telling me that I can't call it Baby Yoda. I'm not surprised. It's Baby Yoda. By gatekeeping in Star Wars I think or it's true pinball. For, it's true for any hobby. Or, I mean, all hobbies have you, you want a, You want an example in pinball? It's the people that get upset and start lecturing people not to call them tables. Yeah. That's gatekeeping. That, that is very much gatekeeping. It's gatekeeping. Now, don't confuse gatekeeping with definition. Like, if you want to correct someone who calls a flipper a flapper, that's understandable. Right. You know, there are terms. There are things. Like, Italian bottom means something. Flipper means something. Scoop means something. Table is an acceptable term, whether you like it. You can dislike it. But it's an acceptable term. And insisting on purity on those things is gatekeeping and it's designed to keep people out of the hot. Right. It's like the pop culture what uh, going with for the pop culture reference uh, when the new Battlestar Galactica came out there was a large community of Battlestar Galactica fans who refused to have anything to do with it because they didn't like the changes that were made. Like Starbuck being a woman. Like Starbuck being a woman. Mm-hmm. Or like there being Cylons who were like flesh and blood, and so there there was a whole movement that was just oh that that doesn't count. Right. That's not real mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica. So the reason why I, I was wanted to note it is that I may use all three of those terms interchangeably. I very rarely say the child, honestly, because I find it almost pointlessly it, nondescript. It is. Because there are other children in the Mandalorian. Yes. <laughs> so Some of um, which the child eat. Uh, but, I- <laughs> but that being said, the show... In Star Wars, fans have often created nicknames and terms for things. Mm-hmm. The show invited this by not giving us a name yeah. for Baby Yoda until season two. And I do have a link in the show notes for those that would like to educate themselves where the director of the pilot episode even said that it's okay to call him Baby Yoda. And that guy is a total Star Wars freak and is actually content creating. So I just wanted to throw that out yeah. there. I uh, call him Baby Yoda all the time. So people need to maybe chill a little bit yeah. about that because it's coming across as alienating. So let's move on from that uh, to talking about the pinball machine itself. Now, 
A little bit background spec stuff. This is a Brian Eddy design. I, creator of your favorite pinball machine ever. It, yes. And I am both very pleased by that and unhappy because I had in my secret heart of hearts hoped that he was Godzilla. No, never. Yes. Oh, okay. that, that I, was, could, I could see that. That was yeah. what I, that was my little dream. Okay. Was that Godzilla I, I was going to be a, be a Brian Eddy. I understand. Table. Oh, 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 get out of this hobby. You don't belong. <laughs> plebe. Plebe. Uh, not, not plebe. Uh, rules by Dwight Sullivan, known for, uh, having fairly complicated rule sets. So yeah. he did the last Star Wars. And I believe he's a big Star Wars nerd. So that would fit that he would want to do the code. Right. And I've heard that the newest code on Star Wars is really enjoyable. I've been I've okay with the code it. on Star Wars. Uh, I've not, I have to admit, I've like many fall into the trap of not really knowing how to, to do, to do it. And I always found it a little, it was very like choose your mission precision shooting on a very flow based Steve Ritchie table. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that that necessarily played right. Right. But, um, I mean, I, I, I never had a problem, a huge problem with it, I, but I enjoyed I've not it, played but, it in but forever. I only ever played it on location and I never felt like I got a lot of time before it would always move on. Uh, but that's, yeah. that's on me. Uh, art is Randy Martinez. He's done Star Wars art before. He's done Star Wars art before in pinball. He did the comic editions. I like the art on the comic editions. So he's a, he's a known Star Wars artist. Uh, sound is Jerry Thompson. The callouts are Carl Weathers. So he plays one of the uh, mercenary sort of contractors in the show for those that aren't familiar. Though I, I will hope in my in my heart of hearts that uh, he does stick in some Easter eggs where he's saying some stuff from Rocky. That'd be nice. Or Rocky too, at least. Right. I I, I have to admit, I, 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 I'm one of those guys who was kind of hoping for Nick Nolte. But. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, it would be fun. It would be fun. Um, Just because I enjoyed that character so much. Well, I think he's got a good narration voice, too. So yes. Would, but, and then he could have stuck in stuff from uh, another 48 hours. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. We'll, we'll, work, we'll work something in no matter what. Um, the premium LE edition, in terms of some of the highlight changes... Uh, it does have a two flipper mini flight play field that's in the upper right corner. It's motorized, so it like it lifts and moves around. Um, and also the premium LE edition does have a magnet in front of the Grogu toy that's mm-hmm. in the upper left area. And the premium LE also has a number of wire form ramps. And then the pro model, the mini play field is still there. It's static though, and it has one flipper rather than two. And it's uh, plastic ramps for all the ramp shots. Right. Um, I'm not a huge fan of plastic ramps. I they're not bad. I they don't look as no, as nice. I they do they do roll the ball flows faster on plastic yes. than it does on on habit trails or, or wire forms, however you you like to refer to them as. Uh, so I mean, it's sort of a it's like yeah, aesthetically, I agree with you. I prefer looking at uh, wire forms. Um, Play wise, if I want speed, I know plastics better. Um, and here, I mean, I've loaded for our, in our internal notes, uh, some of the, the imagery. By the way, for those that want to look, I do have a link in the show notes to this week in pinball's deep dive, which has a lot of images and a lot of the discussion and a lot of the additional details that we didn't touch on. But 
Tony, I think all we really need to do is is uh, discuss the game. Uh, also, let's go ahead and start with the art. And in our notes towards the bottom, I have pictures of the pro, premium, and LE cabinets. So you can see the translites and the and the cabinet art on all three in that order. The LE is the one with the silver art package, and then the right. So overall, it's um, I. It's I, Randy Martinez does good good artwork. Yeah. I I mean, there's not any major differences in the playfield art. No, no, I I don't think there's a I don't think there's anything. Yeah. So in terms of yeah, I think I like the playfield art. It's colorful. It's I I see a lot of inserts to keep track of stuff like the encounters and the and uh, missions and such. So mm-hmm. that's not I like I like inserts that help keep me from having to look at the screen all the time. So I do appreciate that. Uh, in terms of the cabinet packages, uh, translite wise, I guess I would say I do like the LEs the best. I think so. I think they, I think they work the best overall. And I would, and translite wise, I guess I probably like the premium the least, but I like the premium sides of the cabinet best with, yeah. a, with that whip weapon thingy. Yeah, I, I I do like the the side of the cabinet better there. Uh the LE, I mean it's got the razor crest on the side which is always kind of cool. But I know a lot of people don't really like the didn't really like the razor crest. I did. I liked but, it fine. Uh it, when it comes to the side art, I definitely think the the pro is the weakest uh of them. But I'm I'm with you. I think on the premium uh I'm not a huge fan of the uh, let's do a character lineup. Yeah, it's just a little too. It's a little too. Oh, this is what pinball always turns to. Yeah, let's have a character lineup. Everybody, just stand in line. There we go. If you're important, you'll be forward. Otherwise, you'll be a little bit farther mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Um. So, uh, let's go back to the the layout, or or maybe the difference. Well, no, let's start. Let's do the layout. So, what do you think of the layout? Uh, it. When I look at this, what what impresses me is I don't get the vibe of any other Stern I've seen before like I normally do. Yeah. Nor do I get the vibe of actually anything else that Brian Eddy has done layout-wise. So there were a lot of people before this came out that I read that were very much in the camp of, oh, this, you know, after uh, Stranger Things was so much of a, the shot layout entrances were very Attack from Mars style. He's going to do the shadow for this one. And it's like, I don't think he did Attack from Mars or The Shadow. I think I don't he think did something so. just completely different. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, it's definitely different than what I've seen recently for, uh, from a lot of standpoints. Um, so it looks pretty flowy to me. I, I mean, I guess you've got a scoop for a lot of the mission start stuff, which kind of reminds me of uh, Star Trek from Steve Ritchie, the stern one, but, um, yeah, and they've got a lot of lanes up at the top for the child. There it spells are. child. So. Yeah. So, and I don't know, that's a little, I worry that maybe that's a little Bagatelle-esque. Um, like, I don't know how fun that, that will be to shoot up in that, but I, I imagine it's. Well, it depends on, I think, going to depend upon how you light it. I think it's just that they stuck the top lanes at the left instead of doing them in the upper right, like we right. usually see. So it's just, there's so many of them. We, you know, you normally don't go past three. Or four. Right. So it, it could be uh, dependent upon how easy it is to get up there uh, and which ways it comes down. I don't know how 
troublesome it'll be. Uh, the lack of pops is an obvious, uh, yeah, they're, thing. those are not in a usual place. And I think there are only two. Yeah. Cause there, there, there's just what the what, one on the left. And, and I think, uh, the razor crest is blocking your view of the, of other, the other one on one. the left. Okay. Yeah. Instead of the normal triplet. Yep. Unless, unless there's something else. Nope. It's just two. Uh, stash somewhere and hey and didn't i think brian eddie did that on stranger things also got away with like he's got some deal with gary stern where he gets to not have to follow the three pop rule because i know we've talked about it in the past like uh on tna the single pop Mm -hmm. yeah and how 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 having that difference is kind of nice it's not just like a uh, a mechanic that just drops in it's like oh here's three pops you can change the orientation a little bit but here's three pops that's the rule and i had read secondhand but that it had been at least at one point a requirement at stern purportedly from gary that they all have three pops that that was just like and i don't know if they had to be i don't think they had to be configured a particular way but that the notion of you needed a certain amount of mechanical action that Pops gave you, and three was the right number for that. And it was just something that was, it was boilerplate. Yeah, yeah. you had to have them. So um, I like that it doesn't, because again, it gets, it gets, in my view, as we've talked about many times, it gets silly. Like, I greatly like Stern Star Trek, but those Pops are so safe. It's just, yeah. it's like the whole point is just to sit there and get a breather and watch the ball bounce around and not have any risk whatsoever. Right. And it's like, they used to be risky. I want them to be risky or serve some per, and that's yeah. where like TNA or Rick and Morty's pop, that's where that stands out. It's yeah. like, Hey, look, this provides some level of risk. And, and I mean, when it comes to pops, I freely admit that I have long been a center pop proponent. Mm-hmm. I love center pop games. Uh, because I like the risk and the interesting changes that it makes. And I know that they're gone and we're never going to see something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think, I think again. that's a, that's a bit of a bold move now, Cotton. I, I, I don't think we'll it, be seeing it, how that not, one works we're, out. We're not going to, we're not going to see that one, but, <laughs> no. but it's long been one of those things that I've really enjoyed. So, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about? The we won't really go into rules because we never we until know. we play them. Yeah. I, I've seen uh, this week in pinball does have a summary of what's going, what the plan is. It sounds that there's a number of options in terms of what you can explore in the game, which is pretty fitting with how Dwight likes to code in my right. Experience. Uh, so premium versus pro. What what are your thoughts? I mean, you already touched on the preference, obviously, for the wire forms. It seems right, like which most is of, aesthetic, sure, but it seems like the rest of the budget difference seems to be in the decision to have another flipper mech and that ability for the mini play field, which is in the shape of the Mando helmet to actually kind of go vertical on right. terms of how it moves around. So they clearly put in motorization into that versus, I mean, I guess my thought is this is one of those games when I look at them both and aesthetic aside, it's like, this is this is one where it to me it's like if you get the pro it doesn't to me feel like you're missing any major feature. I think so. I think you're right. It feels like and more likely than not like a lot of these games uh what you are missing is just stuff that slows the gameplay down. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that's and as you noted that's that's typically the case with whatever features get get added in addition, but the you know we saw with like Avengers you lost the the tunnel 
lock. Right. That whole mechanism was gone. Here, okay, your mini play field doesn't move around. You still got to, I'm amazed they kept the mini play field. That's right. You got to keep the mini play field. All right, you're down to one flipper, but how long are you going to want to be on the mini play field anyway? Yeah. Uh, the other big thing, uh, mech wise of note is the decision not to include a magnet at the baby Yoda on the pro. Right. Which is, that's probably for some staging or something. That would be my guess. uh, And again, like in my experience, having played extensively on walking dead LE, which has a magnet in front of the well walker and the pro, which I own doesn't have the magnet in front of the well walker. They both have the magnet in front of the barn, but right. Um, and I don't miss the well walker magnet. So yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not one of those, it's not one of the big things that I like more about the LE, like having, you know, my walker bomb button, but, right. but anyway, but that's, but that's not Brian any game. So we'll move on. So, so yeah, overall, yeah, I, I think the differences are really clear and there are a few other shot differences that the LE does. I mean, overall, I do think the, the premium LE looks more interesting as you would expect. But I wouldn't have any qualms about getting the pro- like with Led Zeppelin. My concern with not having that 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 right upper right flipper ramp shot and instead just being a dead end. Real, I still haven't played Led Zeppelin, but that really concerned me that I wouldn't like the pro. Right. Nothing about the layout here concerns me. Even if I might prefer one or another, I think I would be very happy with the pro. Yeah, I think I think the pro would be perfectly acceptable um, in this case. But until I actually play it, who knows? What do you think of the what appears to be static uh, Grogu doll? I. It's one of those things that I'm sure they literally just picked up a doll from something and threw it. It's in supposed there. to be a custom sculpt. Do you wish his little hand had a magnet and he grabbed the ball? A lot of that, people were, re- and that's where expectations were. That there would be a Grogu on the playfield, and there is, yes, and that he would do something with the ball, which uh, premium LE, I guess, magnet right in front of him, you can kind of count, but no, you can't. It's not the toy. It's not. It's not the toy. Uh, I think the concern issue with that would just be um, the quality control issue of mm. getting it to work uh, and getting it to lock in, and that we didn't end up with the situation like with the alien head on aliens, right. Uh, I, I can see where locking it would be, uh, it's easier to do it this way. Uh, I think a little bit of motion would have been nice, like a little head, like a little head shake or like on the LE, uh, and premium that has the magnet F, uh, right in front of him that when it locked, if he say lifted his hand and then to when that magnet is activated, Something like that. Some motion would be nice. Otherwise, it's just a. I mean, it's not even yeah. really a bash toy. It's just no. Uh, no, it's just a. It's just it, a it's figure just, that. It's just a that static takes figure. Up space. Uh, I think it's great from a op. Perspective, I think it looks great because I think kids will definitely want to play this yes. when they see it. Uh, the sculpt looks good. It ain't got no throwbacks of Avengers and its stupid oven mitt. Right. <laughs> oh my god, oven mitt. Jeez, Louise, guys, come on. Uh, and yeah, I just yeah. Again, these are, and this is where I think, and everyone's going to have their own view, of course. This is mm-hmm. my subjective opinion that people need to remember that this is a coin op based hobby and this homeowner stuff should really only go so far before you're corrupting what the concept itself is. Putting in a toy to just move without doing anything with the ball 
as cool as the concept is, it's like, but would an op ever want a thing that might break like that, which doesn't impact gameplay right. in any capacity? So the, the only other thing is, and I agree, it would look cool. It's just, I think that gets a little too far away from what pinball is supposed to be. Now, if is you want to keeping you're you're saying what well, pinball is my, supposed to I be. Am, I am, but I'm saying, but I'm saying this is my my subjective view on it. I totally, if people want to, I mean, that's kind of what JJP's doing. If it people is. want to go that that route, there clearly and, is a market. And I think there's a definite difference, and you can see the difference because uh, uh, the 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 dedicated homeowner, the 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 major JJP fans. Mm-hmm. Are, are are very clear on what they like and what they want. And it is a very different creature than what Stern gives, especially with the, you know, the pros and the games that you actually see on location. Right. And my my normal approach would have been to say, like a little baby Yoda moving his arm around, Ellie model only. Yes. Pros shouldn't have that stuff because by the very structure of the pro being designed to be per Stern. Being designed to be operated, things that offer no gameplay difference that might just break down are just a headache. Yes, so, and I, I agree with so that completely. If they wanted to do it for the LE, absolutely makes sense. Uh, I think that people have more fun with the moving Mando playfield, mini playfield instead, right? Because it's actually interactive. Now, the ideas of like Baby Yoda eating balls and stuff, yeah, I, I wonder, I had sort of suspected that too. Of course, then I think, I think. Well, you see, people I think in their heads are thinking little hand doing a little eggy thing. That is a lot of motion. And that's where that's I don't think we would have gotten motion. it. This is stern. We have to remember that they operate within a certain BOM or bill of material. What would have happened, in my view, is we would have only had Baby Yoda's head and everyone been going, oh, this is the Groot toy from Guardians. Right. No, yes, no. That, that, mouth and that wouldn't and have worked. And that, but that would have been how it would have been executed. Yes. And so that's where I think this is, is smarter Given that it just it looks nice, it I think does. it looks nice, and so it does look nice. So just let let him be, let Baby Yoda be Baby Yoda, with his little Baby ch- Yoda be, yeah, with his little child lanes all ready to be spelled out and happy. Um, I uh, demand is is huge for this. We've we've seen reports already of some distributors selling the LEs for more than MSRP. Yeah. I read We've that the other also, day. Also, I've read about some running auction. I read about that one too. Doing that. And then, of course, there are already people offering their pre ordered one for a higher rate. Which is something we've seen Once for they years. Get, yeah. So, and given the popularity of the license, in no way am I surprised. Uh, interesting change up for this, though, they've done it on uh, the home pen before, is Stern sold some of the LEs direct to their insiders through the website. I think that's a good move by Stern. I uh, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but I, we've seen it with other manufacturers, and it in no way will surprise me if we continue to, especially as the homeowner approach continues to gain traction, that companies move away from the distributor model and start saying, why don't we... Everyone... I'm, I'm stereotyping a little bit. I'm, or I should say I'm painting with a broad brush, but it's like Stern's probably thinking... Everyone's calling us for all the tech support anyway. Right. They're not taking the games into distributors like it's going to the dealership at an auto, you know, for a car to get auto work done. Why don't we just hire some more techs and keep the money because everyone's calling us anyway? It's not the 80s and 90s anymore when things like a distributor, your local distributor made sense. Mm -hmm. At this point in time, when I'm sitting at home, and it is is easier 
for me to jump onto Amazon and order something and have it delivered at my door, in some cases, six hours later, than to bother to get in the car and go to the store, especially in 2020 and dealing with all of the 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 the, the stuff you had to go through going into stores sometimes. The distributor model doesn't make sense. And I mean, you're not even seeing the big distributor model. When you think about distributors, not just in pinball, but just in general anymore, are like car manufacturers. That's pretty much. I mean, even like mattresses are shifting. Yeah, and that yeah, they're all going away. They're 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 all more going direct sale than they ever got, were got, before. Got, got, got cut out the middleman. Yeah, because that's uh, yeah, it's it's cutting out the middleman. I mean, the only thing that that like with car dealerships that has protected them has been because in a lot of cases. State law makes it illegal for the companies to sell directly because that's where Tesla was running into issues. But with this uh, situation here, I just, I think we'll see it like we're seeing it now. Start with, we might get to a point where it wouldn't surprise me to see Stern or some of the others reserve half of their LE run or their entire yeah. LE runs. I, yeah, they're, they're clearly sell. testing the waters. And, yeah. and JJP did the same with the CEs yeah. of GNR. Yeah, um, and they'd always been. I mean, I bought my TNA direct from Spooky rather than go because there's no financial advantage. I couldn't get a I couldn't get a better deal from a distributor. They're all given, to my knowledge, they're all given floors that they aren't allowed to go below on these games. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's just, it's yeah, it's interesting, and I think we're going to continue. You know, pinball still for a growing hobby, uh, it's showing its age in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, for an example, I was talking with uh, with someone else about was you take a site for like if you want Gottlieb parts, for example, you go to the pinball resource. No self-respecting modern hobby would have a primary part supplier that still operated a website in a capacity with no online shopping carts that you're expected to either call in or send a list in an email. Yeah, to do your purchasing and. I wouldn't even do business with somebody like that. They're the only option is why it's a man- right. it's mandatory. Uh, and, and where people will joke or almost gatekeep as a pride of, a point of pride to, you know, specify just how if the person's cranky, making sure that you, you have to do things all in a very precise way. Cause I, I get why they require it. Cause their antiquated system in, does not forgive mistakes because it's not, cause they're doing it manually. Right. And I think most of the distributors are doing, I mean, you can't buy through their websites. They do it all. It's all call them. That's insane. But that's how it is. In, in, in this day and age, that is, and I that, can literally log onto a website and buy a car and they'll have a dude drive the car to my house. And why do I have to call somebody and say, I would like to purchase pinball machine, blah, 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 blah. And, blah. The, and they got pricing on their websites, at least back like when I bought Star Trek. You had to contact them if you wanted a, if you wanted a better price. The price on the sites were high. Right. Like there, and I get that in a way, but again, we're getting into a, a period where can't we use a coupon code and just get the discount? You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, anyway, it's just, it's interesting because as the hobby grows, these are antiquated things I think are going to be put under a microscope and all these new younger startup manufacturers are pulling little Teslas and they want to do things direct. And they have been, I think big dog Stern looks and they're like, if we weren't having to field all the customer complaints, maybe the model would continue to make the most sense for them. But I I agree with you. I think that they're, 
they're going maybe not abandon it, but definitely wanting a bigger piece of the pie. Right. As in, it would not surprise stuff. me in the next several years to get to the point where LEs are only available direct. You know, I think that could very well be. Because I because there's so few, they could manage that. Camp. Yeah, I mean, because it does. They they're not going to have to do. I mean, they already have a shipping department. They have to to ship to the distributors, mm-hmm. and it's not going to take a lot to make adjustments to ship single machines as opposed to shipping batches of machines. Especially if you're only talking about 250 or 500 machines, mm-hmm. that won't take major changes or anything. And it'll a let them put more money in their pocket. B it'll make it'll drive more people to them directly. In fact, and I, I haven't checked, but I, I, I want to think that like single unit shipping is, I think they've been doing it for years. I want to think when I bought my, my Star Trek years ago that it was not yet built. Stern built it and then Stern shipped it direct to me. It did not go, th- the distributor did not take possession of it. They and had it. And they that had makes it, it right? make even less sense. They had it direct routed. That makes it even, that makes the whole thing make even less sense. I know. If the distributor go calls Stern, you call the distributor and say, I would like to buy a Star Trek, please. And the distributor's like, yes, that'll cost you blank dollars. And then you're like, okay, here's my blank dollars. And then they call Stern and they go, Dennis just bought a Star Trek. This is his address. He paid for it. Please ship it to him. And Stern's like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. Why does that guy exist? Period. The logic might be, and I don't know. But I'm thinking the logic, and this would be a shift, though, obviously, from what it used to be, could be that because they make their living selling the games, the distributors have become the marketing network for Stern. They're trying, they're the ones doing most of the pushing of the sales currently, or in theory that they should be, because they need to, you know, who, where do you see the most, like, I see more advertising for games from various distributors than I do direct from Stern. Right. But... Does that save Stern more money in advertising? Probably not. Than they would make. Probably not. It, from like, direct Stern sales. wanted to just, you know, like hire them all as a, as their sales team to go around like, uh, like Nate Shivers, who used to host a coast to coast pinball. Like, isn't what he did for years for Taylor Guitar is he worked for Taylor Guitar, but he went around selling Taylor guitars to places. Right. Like, but he worked for the manufacturer. Correct. I could see that maybe being an evolution as well. It's very, it's interesting. But you know what else is interesting, Tony? Video games are interesting. Video games are interesting. Uh, oh, final thing on uh, Mandalorian is, uh, Dead Flip, uh, reveal stream. Uh, I think it's about a week away. It was, it, was it the, seemed further than it was normal. normally, normally, cause normally they do the big thing, yeah. the big tease reveal and yada, yada, yada. And like within a less than a week, there's a, yeah, thing. uh, they must just not have been ready yet or something. Cause I'm sure Jack is good to go whenever. So it's must, they must have wanted to wait a little bit longer than. What I don't know if it was just they wanted to do their teaser trailer on May the fourth and then and then right. do their information to the distributors and such the next week and then a, get the and, and then it could also have to do with who they're trying to get as their representatives uh, on stream for the good point the the game release. who knows but anyway it's it's not yet so, so stay tuned for more all right so now video games now for video games uh just a couple little things in here today um. Uh, We've talked a lot lately about Xbox Game Pass, which I am part of the PC version, and you are have not made the delve into Xbox it's too Game expensive. Pass yet because it's too expensive. It's the best deal in gaming. It is the best deal in gaming. Uh, 
what caught my eye is that a game uh, is coming out, uh, the Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance. It's a third-person, uh, four-player co-op um, action RPG. Well, like isometric or like over-the-shoulder? Like over-the-shoulder third-person. Oh, okay. it, it's like originally when it was first being announced and things were first being seen, it, it felt like it was going to be like a... Um, like a Diablo-esque isometric, but no, it's over the, it's an over the shoulder <laughs> third person okay. hack and slash action RPG thing. Uh, but what's interesting is, is it's being released on the 22nd of June on Game Pass. In addition to being released on the 22nd of June to like everything, both Xboxes, both PlayStations, PC. Uh, through some of the Xbox stuff, it's going to be playable on tablets and phones through, wow. thanks to the Xbox, uh, uh, cloud, oh, the gaming, cloud computing, yeah. the cloud computing thing. Um, but when it's being released, it will have online four player cross play with everything. Mm. But it's available on Game Pass. So they're instantly locking in a huge Xbox section of people to play. And the game, it's interesting. I like Dungeons and Dragons and I like, I like that type of hack and slashy game, whatever. Uh, but the fact that they're hitting it, cause they've not, while they've done a lot of big releases, they haven't done anything huge. And this isn't huge, uh, on Game Pass, but the day one launch things on Game Pass has worked pretty well for them in the past. It's given them good market shares and it's given them good, uh, it, it's really helped with the reviews and the coverage of the games. So I thought it was interesting to see that this is a route that is continuing to happen. Um, because we know the new Xbox has still doesn't have anything huge. It doesn't have a flagship title yet. Yeah. Halo yeah. Inf- Infinite is not. It seems infinitely delayed. Yeah. It's just not a thing. Uh, the fact that Microsoft is now talking about their next big game that they haven't announced a name for or anything else, but they're pushing it hard makes me wonder how bad Halo Infinite's setting. I'm worried that it might be pushed so far out that it will forget it's like Master Chief, he'll become Viger. You don't even know what he was. (laughs) Did Halo Infinite become the, uh, 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 why can't I remember the name of that game? The new Duke Nukem. A Duke Nukem Forever? Forever, yeah. <laughs> what a term. Forever? Infinite? Oh. Da, da, da. It's hard to imagine it being that bad. You would hope not. But maybe. But perhaps. If they try really uh, hard. If they try. But we will hopefully hear some more about those these next titles coming from Microsoft and learn more about their future plans for uh, the Game Pass system and hopefully finding a flagship title at E3 this year because they're one of the only people at E3 this year. Yeah, it's uh, soon going to be EMS. Yes, what's around? They're like the big. They're the big name uh, at E3. We know Sony was gone. Has been pulled yep. out for a while. EA has been pulled out for years. Um, being fully virtual this year, E3 has released some information uh, how they're going to handle it. They're going to have. Uh, uh, an online, they've got an online portal and an app. They're going to have virtual booths, hosted events. Uh, you're going to be able to create an avatar and, 
go around and they're going to have whole like lounge areas set aside for people to chat and interact and forums and video conferencing. And they're trying to turn it into as interactive as a thing. So it's not just sitting and watching a video presentation. I find this interesting because my manager uh, went to a conference, went to a virtual conference uh, earlier this year that had a system like this where it actually had a map. And you had a dot that was your avatar and it had your picture from your badge on it. And as you moved from booth to booth, you could see who else was in those booths around you hmm. because there were, they were engineers and it was an engineering group. So everybody knew each other, but it allowed interaction to where you could like click on somebody and chat with them. If you knew them, you could chat. You could even go to a video chat and, and, and talk. And it had this whole built in like model of a fake showroom with fake booths in it where you could move around. And interact with coworkers and colleagues and the booth people at the same time. And where it was like moving in, like when you moved into a booth, it was like you moved into a chat room that had the people who were there with you. So it, it, I, I'm wondering if it's going to be kind of like that. Uh, maybe not as deep because there's going to be so many people involved, but it, it's an interesting thing. And they are including on their app they have for their presentations, they're going with full interactive overlays, uh, polls during the course of stuff. So even more than the normal set and watch it on Twitch or YouTube, like as well, like what we normally do for those people interacting in the app, they're adding stuff. So it's more like you're actually going to be in the audience taking part in stuff and, and trying to create a more immersive atmosphere. And I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. This type of thing might be what could actually save E3. Hmm. You think keeping it permanently virtual and doing it like a virtual yeah. trade show with I think something like that. If they can make it if they can make it work right and if people can enjoy it, that might be the E3's best hmm. chance to remain relevant because they're not and they haven't yeah. they're, no, they're, they're, it, they haven't good, been it's a good point we uh i was at a public health conference this year that kind of did they didn't have it as fancy as like showing you a virtual map but yeah it did the booths and all that mm -hmm. and uh yep say what you will about the the craving for wayne and in interpersonal interaction live but it was their best attended conference in the history of the conference I attended a virtual conference that was nowhere near this fancy or as fancy as, as that one. Uh, uh, but it had, you know, the, the, the virtual chat, chat rooms that had multiple channels in the chat room. So you could talk mm -hmm. to, uh, you had points where you could ask questions just directly to the presenter. And that was the only people who saw those questions were the presenter. And then where you could talk amongst yourself and you could break out into little groups. And when they released their information at the end, uh, afterwards, it was. Their best attended conference ever. And their conferences normally sets around 20,000 attendees. And they had more than that this year because people could do it while sitting at their desks yep. and just come in and hit just the certain things without having, I'm flying to Chicago to do everything and I'm flying to New Orleans to go through everything. And it was good. Um, I have attended that conference in person and some of the stuff was missing, obviously. Uh, some of the interactions you have and meeting some of the people type stuff was a lot weaker than it is when you're there in person, but it made up for it in a lot of other ways. I got to attend more things and I got to do more, um, 
interactive stuff with like directly with presenters than you do when you're in a large thing where there might be like 300 of you in a room. Right. Yeah. So, um, they, I do have a little publisher list. They're very diminished publisher list for this year. Nintendo, which is going to have their Nintendo treehouse thing. That's all they ever have. That's all they've had for years. Yep. Uh, uh, Xbox is going to be there. That's going to be the biggie. Nobody else is there. Uh, other than that, it's Capcom, Ubisoft, Take Two Interactive, Warner Brothers Games, and Coke Media. That's how far down we have gotten. <laughs> the Warner Brothers Interactive and or Take Two Interactive, Warner Brothers Games, and Coke Media are on the big list. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, E3 has lost so much of its cachet that for years since EA left, EA still held their event within five miles of wherever E3 right. was. Yeah, I remember them. And normally the day before E3 started. Yeah. It's a month later. They don't oh. even care anymore. Yeah, that's trash. They're, 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 they're holding their event in July. Uh, the end of July, the, I think the 22nd of July is when they're holding it. So. We'll see. I think it's going to be a really interesting year since they've had a full year uh, to plan out. Right. It should be better done than last. Yeah. Well, last was a just give it up. Was just give they up. They had plenty of time, though, to come up with it. And we've seen so many other events do it virtually now. Right. That they should be able to crib quite successfully. Yeah. And with it being as open for all and everything, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, while... Uh, uh, a couple other quick things on there, on here. Um, Ubisoft made an interesting announcement mm. that while they're continuing their targeted goal of putting out their big budget AAA games, uh, they are starting to work on putting out several uh, free-to-play versions of their games. And this has directly to do with just how popular Call of Duty Warzone has been. Yeah. Because they put out the new Call of Duty this year and they put out Warzone. Uh, trust me, everybody's playing Warzone. At work, all of our Call of Duty guys, which we have a lot of guys who are still are big into Call of Duty because we've got a lot of, uh, 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 of people that for them, that's the FPS type thing. Right. They all play mm. because it's free to play while still giving that Call of Duty feel. I mean, these guys, they don't like Fortnite or Valorant or they don't like games like that. But these guys play play Warzone every day. And that's anecdotal. But their numbers on Warzone are huge. The free-to-play microtransaction has been proven. Uh, Fortnite proved it. Warzone's proved it. I mean, all of these different game systems are proving that if you have the right gameplay with the right microtransactions and you find your right target demographic... It will make so much more money than a AAA title that it's not even funny. Uh, <clears throat> they announced that they are doing a standalone free-to-play version of The Division. I've not played The Division. The Division has a fairly okay player base. People like it to an extent. It never hit what they thought it was going to be. Right, yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, Rainbow Six Siege is their big like surprise hit. Right. Was, still has huge numbers. And it still has huge numbers. And but, nobody expected it. 
Yeah. But they are putting out a version of the free to play version of the division called the division heartland, which it's heartland. I'm assuming let's be realistic. Just like when they talk about the Midwest or anything else. That means Chicago. Yeah. It's going to be Chicago. It's going to be Chicago. You're going to be fighting it in the cattle slaughterhouses and all the other stuff that I'm sure is still quite relevant to Chicago today. Yeah. It's always hilarious to me that whenever I talk about, hear somebody talk about, oh yeah, I'm from the Midwest. Oh, where are you from? I'm from Chicago. You're dr- dr- you're going okay. Environmental kill is drowning someone in a deep dish pizza. Yeah, exactly. Is it gurgling? <laughs> it's more like a casserole. Really. <laughs> it's a casserole. <laughs> Die. Die, you East Coast trash. <laughs> but uh, I think it will be interesting to see because they've got, if they start kicking out a version, a free-to-play version of some of their bigger uh, titles, games like Assassin's Creed mm. or... Or games like that. We'll see. I think trying a version of this with the division is going interesting. I'm wondering if it's not an attempt to get more of a uh, connection to people who aren't quite willing to try the division. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Because it's basically you've removed the barrier to entry. Right. Um, because they've gone. Ubisoft has gone all in on the division. There's a division yeah. movie in I'm the just, works. I'm surprised. I'm There's really a division surprised. novel. Yeah. That's due out before too long. I mean, they have gone, they've targeted the division to be this huge thing. I'm, I mean, at least they're sticking with it. I guess they, that's good. I, I'm a little surprised they that they have as hard as they are yeah, doing and, it. Though. And it seems a little weird to, to stick with the game. That's, Especially when they have other, like, with, you know, Assassin's Creed being such a, well, I mean, it, almost mythologically legendary thing at this point. Trying to go into that yeah. more would make more sense to right. me. Or I, I mean, know. on the other hand, also, how, how did the Assassin's Creed movie do? I don't, I forgot that there was one. <laughs> or, but you're right. Far Cry, Far Cry would be excellent for this kind of thing. I mean, it's a, it's a well-storied franchise and it's got a lot of popularity, but it, again, it's a single player experience. So I right. think that would also, in some ways with me, with, for me, Division's so odd because it was designed to be already multiplayer. Right. But and I guess was, that's what Call of Duty does, too. So that, that's whatever. what Call of I mean, because nobody's really played Call of Duty for the single-player game except for, like, me in years. <laughs> but uh, it'll be interesting to see how this experiment turns out for Ubisoft. And I don't actually have it in the notes here. <gasps> but Surprise one, note. One last thing. I just wanted to float out there that Google came out on records that, hey, Stadia is still a thing and there's big Stadia things going on and there's lots of third-party distributors putting things out for Stadia and Stadia is very healthy and is a very robust gaming environment. Just letting you know because, you know, that's what a healthy gaming company has to do (laughs) is to put out a press release saying, hey, we're here. We're good. People like us. We've got more stuff coming. Please ignore that we closed down all of our divisions that, that that were making games before they ever put out a single game and fired them all. It's cool. We're still important. We're still here. I mean, obviously that is the, what a healthy that's what a healthy thing does. That's a healthy console right there. Ah, Stadia. <laughs> As I recall, we were never very much into the Stadia to begin with. But plants love it. So it's plants okay. love it. But hey. You just take your controller. As long as you've got a good internet connection, you could be sitting on top of Pike's Peak playing in your Stadia. Mm-hmm. As long as you got the battery. 
Yep. And a high-speed internet connection. Yep. Yay! <laughs> so, uh, that's what I've got for today. Well, that's it, Tony. We we made it. Will there be another announcement in pinball in two weeks? I hope so. It could very well be. Chicago Gaming, come on, guys. You're close. I give, like, give us something. I, I like having meaty pinball news and having stuff going on and and i don't necessarily like some of the third party discussions uh because they're melt my brain but it's nice to have something going besides just well they're putting out stuff as fast as they can but because of shipping issues there are yeah shortages and they can't context to the conversation yeah very important uh, well, if people want to give context to anything we covered today, you can always reach out to us at eclecticgamerspodcast.gmail.com or via facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We are eclectic gamer or eclectic underscore gamers on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks covering whatever there is to discuss. Hopefully something big and important. But uh, until next time, my name is Dennis. I am Tony. And I say goodbye, everybody. Peace.